0: are locked on pistons your daily detroit pistons podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team everyday What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Lockdown Pistons Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. And per usual, I am your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me on Twitter, at Hill NBA. You can find me on YouTube, at Ballroom. You can find me over at Detroit Bad Boys buying articles about the Pistons. And before we even get into today's episode, there's actually something I want to mention to you guys real quick. I actually ask you guys, if you guys have an answer for me if you guys know what I'm talking about go ahead and let me know in the reviews below or tweet me at NBA but do you guys ever have like your own like type of setup or or I guess that's the word you need to have before you're able to do something so like I just thought about this randomly decided to share with you guys this is kind of really random But like before I started the packet I went to click record but I had like my room lights on and I was completely just out of sorts I was like nah I can't, I can't record like this I just didn't feel it I like I, I just couldn't do it So what I do is I turn my room lights on and I have like some stream lights on the back. What are these called? Line lights? I don't know what they're called. I forget uh, what they're called. Strobe lights or something. I forget what it is. But I turn these on behind me and then instantly I get into recording mode. Do you guys have anything like that? Like obviously not everyone's recording podcasts. But like is there anything you guys like have in life where you just can't do anything unless like you have your setup ready? I don't know. That was just kind of weird. I don't know why I brought that up. I just decided to share that with you guys. But kind of weird. Anyways, on today's episode, we're going to talk about something that I have coming to you guys soon over at Detroit Bad Boys. I just submitted it for review. It should be here within a few days for you guys published. Uh, we're going to talk about that. I'm also going to make a video on it. So, actually, let's go ahead and just get right into it right now. Uh, this article that I have publishing in the next few days is going to be centered around Seiku Dumboya. And I've been teasing this video for a while now. I'm sorry. I know I said like a week and a half ago on the podcast that I had it coming for you guys last weekend. Um, let me just explain to you guys why it's been taking a while. So I tweeted about this today as well, if you guys follow me on Twitter. But the big struggle that I've dealt with this year and something that I want to improve on this off season, while the NBA is in the offseason, obviously. You know, I'm I'm still really young. I'm still trying to improve at all this and try to better my craft and get better at all this. One of the biggest issues I've had is maintaining a podcast, a YouTube, and writing articles. And the problem is, is that I've been running into, like, I have an idea for like, so the seku idea, I had this idea for a video. I've been wanting to make it and I go to make it and as soon as I start recording, I like, I have a few clips already recorded of me recording and then halfway through, I'll be like, I don't know, man, this this actually sounds like a better idea I could probably use for the podcast and then I'll go to record the podcast and I'll be like, I don't know, there's a couple of other things that happened. I might want to talk about that. I have a, a guest coming out. I don't know if I want to talk to them about that. Maybe it's best for an article and then I'll go to record, uh, write an article. i be like, I, okay, I really kind of want to do a video with this. So it's like, I can't really figure out my biggest struggle is I can't really figure out which idea, which topic I want to make for a video article and a podcast topic. So what I've decided to do from now on and someone on Twitter helped me out with this. I tweeted, out, asked for some help. Someone tweeted at me and said, why don't you just like do one on all of them? Like, if I have a topic idea, I do a video, but just do them in different ways. Like, an article can be more thorough. Uh, a podcast can be more just me talking to you guys like I am right now, just talking to you guys like you're right in front of me. And a video could be more entertaining or, like, just less structured or whatever. So, I, I feel I, that's what, probably what I'm going to do with all this. So, anyways, I've, I know I've talked a lot so far and haven't really mentioned the Pistons more just me talking with you guys. I hope you guys don't mind that, but... Basically, we're going to talk about Sekou Dumboya here. And in the article coming in a few days. It's basically going to be telling you guys why Sekou has proved that he's going to be a part of this Pistons young core. So I don't think I've really done an in-depth review of Sekou's season on the podcast yet. I know I've talked about him a bunch. You guys all know I love Sekou. I'm a big Sekou, uh defender. I guess you can call him. I don't want to call him a, call me a stan because I'm I'm very objective with him, I, I feel like, still. I'll call him out when he plays bad, etc., but I am a defender of his. So I guess we can kind of call this a, a deep dive in his season that we're going to do on this podcast. But yeah, we got that article coming in a few days. Make sure you guys stay tuned for that over at Detroit Bad Ways. i also may making a video on it sometime at the end of this week as well. So Seiku season. It was a definitely a tale of two seasons, I think you can, you can call it. So after playing 38 games his rookie season and having that streak where he took the NBA by storm, sent... Tristan Thompson to the underworld and just, like, set the, set the league on storm, really. With his first, like, what was it, two weeks of starting in the NBA for the Pistons? After that, he really seemed to struggle, took a big step back, seemed to hit a rookie wall. Uh, so, heading into his second season, a lot of people wanted to see him take some step forwards, see some improvement, see him become a regular person in the rotation, etc., uh, And just and just see some step forwards, basically. Any kind of step forward at all. And to start the season... It was definitely a bit rocky. So I always, I think I've mentioned this before already. Like in the first game of the season, he had six points, nine rebounds. It didn't start off awful. Six point nine rebound. It seemed like okay. We can deal with that. This seems like it's going to be fine. But then you can just fast forward throughout the rest of the season. who really struggled. It was, it was, it was pretty, pretty bad. So through the first forty games of his season, he only had, only averaged twelve point six minutes per game. Um, I'm going to talk about that a little bit later with this season. But in these 12.6 points, twelve point six minutes played, I'm sorry, uh, game, he only averaged 3.6 points, shooting 34% from the field, 24% from deep, um, averaged, what, 2.1 rebounds with it, nothing much else. Uh, it was He wasn't playing well at all. 34% is awful. That's worse than Stanley Johnson type of stuff, uh, and he wasn't playing a lot. So before we even move past these first 40 games, one of the issues I've had with how Seiku was playing in the first 40 games is, I, I've always been saying, I've been saying that I feel like he wasn't being really used correctly, uh, he wasn't being given a fair shot, his minutes were very low for what we thought this season was going to be, we thought this season was going to be about development of the young guys, we thought this season was going to be, you know, feed these young guys minutes, let them get experience on the court, and it's going to be str- strictly a, like Troy River likes to call it a rest- restoration, but really a tank season, we're going to give the minutes to young guys. And for the first 40 games of the season, it really couldn't be like that for Seku for t- a couple reasons. Well, one, you have Blake Griffin who was taking up minutes at the four, and then when Blake Griffin sat, you had Jeremy Grant slide in at the four, which is more his natural position, which he ended up taking over once Blake Griffin was gone. So it was really hard for Sekou to get minutes at the four. You also had Dwayne Casey said that he doesn't believe that he can play for uh, the three right now, so that kind of took minutes away from him as well. So if he can only get his minutes at the four, and then you got two guys there who are taking minutes as well, it's hard to fit minutes in there for him. Um, I'd argue that he should have been getting minutes anyways but anyway that's not the point of this conversation so that was one reason why I feel like he really was struggling he couldn't really get into a flow of things two I don't think he was really being used correctly a lot of times he was just being thrown in the corner or set in a spot up scenario outside of any action my thing is is that if you're going to have him spot up that's fine but I, I was really critical of the way the Pistons just spot him up and not using him in action first, like not moving him around and then having him put into a spot up situation after being involved in action. I think that was really hurtful for him earlier in the season. And then also, he just wasn't playing well. Like you can make I can make all the excuses you want for him. You can I can say whatever I want. But shooting thirty four percent from the field, I said it in the article, at the end of the day the coach isn't shooting the ball for you. The coach isn't taking the layups for you. He's not the one taking uh trying to drive to the rim. He's not the one shooting these threes. He's not the one doing that. This is all you so shooting 34% from the field, no matter how you're being used, that's on you at the end of the day. And Seku was just playing bad, outright bad. It was looking really rough for him. So things would really reach a low point in Sekou's season. And honestly, you could call it a really bad low point, or you could call it a high point in the turning point of his season. On April 3rd, where the Pistons got blown up by 44 points against the New York Knicks, and Seiko was the only Piston not to play. Seiku was the only piston not to play in a 44 point blowout. Okay? That's a real bad low. Even Savitas got minutes. Cook got minutes minutes. Dennis Smith got minutes. Everyone got minutes, but Seiku. So that was a real low point for him. It was looking really bleak after that game on Twitter, amongst NBA fan and Pistons fans. Everyone was like, oh, this is not good for Seiku, man. This it looks like it's the end. It might be coming to an end. is no longer really part of this future. This first 40 games of the season was capped off with him not even getting minutes in a 40-point blowout. This might be the end of Sekou in Detroit. So when we come back, we're going to talk about what happened after those 40 games and why that game was a turning point for Sekou and why maybe Dwayne Casey hit the right button there and deserves a little bit of credit. But before we get into that, let me tell you about this week's Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. So for this week... Michelob Ultra Player of the Week for me is going to be a former Piston, the name of Reggie Jackson. Yes, he's going to be my Player of the Week. And honestly, it's not even just the week. It's the entire playoffs. Reggie Jackson has been playing out there. He just looks like he's enjoying his time. He looks extremely happy to be playing for the Los Angeles Clippers, obviously. So it's, it's a joy to see him so happy out over there and playing extremely well. Like this dude is completely balling out for... The Clippers in the playoffs. Like, there's an argument to be made that on some nights he's their second best player. Shoot, you could probably say on some nights he was probably their best player. Through the entire playoffs, so through 10 games so far, which, by the way, the Clippers are up big by 20-plus on the Jazz right now as we're recording this. Uh, Through the playoffs, Sekou, not Sekou, I said Sekou. Reggie Jackson is averaging 16.3 points, 2.7 assists. Now, get this. He's shooting 48.3% from the field and 45% from deep on 7.5 attempts Per game. Reggie is playing out of his mind. He's one of the best players on the Clippers right now. Another former Pistons succeeding after they leave Detroit. We're all rooting for Reggie. Even Applebee's. Applebee's is even rooting for Reggie Jackson. If you don't get that reference, tweet me. I'll let you know what that reference was. But Reggie Jackson is enjoying his time in L.A. And like Michelob Ultra always says, enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. And especially in basketball, if you're having fun, if you're enjoying your time on the court, you're going to play a lot better. And that's definitely what's happening with Reggie Jackson this week's Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. So, like I said, when we return, we are going to talk about how after the New York Knicks blowout game where Sekou just did not play at all, why that was the turning point of his season. So, there's been a lot... I, I have complained a lot about Dwayne Casey. I'm not going to lie. I'll keep it very straightforward with you guys. I have been really critical of Dwayne Casey. But this year, I did say, was his best coach season... And this is another part which I'll have to assume, I, like I, I have no choice but to give him some type of credit for this. Because after this 40, 40 games of struggling, and after giving him absolute zero PT in a 40-point blowout against New York Knicks, I didn't say it in the article because I didn't want to say it. I, I didn't want to make it sound this vulgar, I guess. But Sekou played pissed off the rest of the season. That 100% lit a fire under him. You know how embarrassing it is to not play in a 40-point blowout? And some players may react a way of, you know what, screw this, screw this team, screw this head coach, I don't want to play anyways, it's over, get me off this team. Seiku did not react that way, and that is credit to Dwayne Casey for knowing his player and knowing what button to press. I, you could say it was lucky, maybe he didn't mean to do it, but whether he meant to do it or not, it worked. It 100% lit a fire under Seiku, and he played like a completely different player the rest of the season. I'm not joking. This is not me being a fan of Seku. The Seku that you guys saw the rest of the season after April 3rd was a Seku that we had not seen in his NBA career. That two week stretch, he was he was a better player the rest of this season than he was in that two week stretch. And make sure again, you guys go read my article on Detroit Bad Boys. It's 28 over 28,000 not 28,000 2,800 words so make sure you guys go check that out I, I dive much deeper in all this it's it's really good I think you guys are going to love it it's, it's real in depth but we can, we can talk about some of that on here so one of the things that I, I'm going to point to to show you guys that how well Seku was playing for the Pistons after April 3rd how well he played how how much it translated to success for the Pistons. So since April 5th, for the rest of the season after then, or not after then, April 5th and on, Seiku had the second highest on-off difference of any Piston on the team. He was a plus 6.1. Okay, this is a dude, once again, like I said, was shooting 34% through the first 40 games of the season. He was playing awful. The team was awful with him on the court. Then all of a sudden, after Dwayne Casey does that and sits him th- through that blowout, from then on, he's playing nearly double his minutes he averaged 12 minutes a game his first 40 games he was averaging 23 minutes a game the rest of the year and in these 23 minutes per game he was the second highest on off difference at plus 6.1 number one was Corey Joseph so Seiku was playing really well for the Pistons and it was translating on the court for the Pistons success okay Seiku was great Seku was playing really well and there's many reasons for this. The first reason we're going to point to, uh, this is actually one of the last points I got to in the article, but I, I want to make this first on here, is the return of Killian Hayes. Now, there's a bunch of clips in the article when I write. There's going to be a bunch of clips in the video when I make it, but in the article as well, there's a bunch of clips showcasing what I mean here. And obviously, since it's a podcast, you can't see nothing. You are gonna hear everything. So I'm going to describe this to you guys the best I can. So with Killian Hayes, ever since Killian Hayes came back and played with Seku, this enabled Seku to be able to actually be rewarded in transition. If you guys watch the Pistons all year this year, you know that Seku one thing that he was really good at, whether he played well or did not play well, he was always usually the first person back on offense. Not defense, offense. He usually beat all the defenders down the court. He'd always get the guard who falls back because when you miss a shot and the team's defense gets back, usually the guard is the first one back. He's at the top of the key. It's the guard's responsibility to get back. So if Sekou, who's a forward, beats everyone else down the floor, he's going to get a mismatch immediately with a guard underneath the rim. And he did that a lot throughout this season. However, while Killian Hayes was hurt, he almost never, honestly, I'm not joking, I think maybe I can count on maybe one hand, maybe once or twice legit, that he was actually rewarded for that and actually given the ball when he did this. When Killian Hayes came back, it happened more, 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 and more. And Sekou kept getting easy bucket after easy bucket after easy bucket. And one of the things that could happen to a player who gets looked off so many times, to be honest, and missed so many times while doing that, it can discourage a player. Now, obviously, for like a, a little bit of an older player, you say, okay, dude, come on, who cares? You're, you're a veteran, man. Come on, play. But for a 20-year-old in his second season who just, by the way, which is another great point that I brought up, yes, I'm patting myself on the back because this is a great point, a dude who had just crossed 82 games played a full NBA season on April 10th this year, for that kind of dude... It's discouraging him almost every game through the first 40 games. It's definitely going to have a wear and tear in a young guy. It's any young guy. You you're going to, If you do that with any young guy, they're going to feel disencur- discouraged and and remove themselves from the game. It's just going to happen. Okay? It, it is what it is. We can say it shouldn't happen. You're a professional. Yeah, but if, to young guys, it's going to happen. But when Killian Hayes came back, like I said, it happened more and more and more. Killian was finding him on... There was this one play against the Charlotte Hornets when Sekou beat everyone back... And not only did he, he didn't just seal the guy underneath the basket, he got in front of the defender, put him on his back to where Sekou was legit the only person back towards the rim. And Kaelin Hayes, being the brilliant passer he is, threw it over the entire defense straight into Sekou's hands and Sekou had the easy layup. There's another play against the Minnesota Tibbles, I believe it was. Sekou's uh, off a defensive rebound, Kaelin Hayes gets it. He immediately looks up, starts, because he knows Kaelin likes to play really fast. Kaelin looks up, starts to leading the transition, and Sekou's early spring past everybody. He delivers a sweet bounce pass to about three defenders and gets Sekou the easy layup. So, playing with Killian Hayes definitely unlocked Seku a lot when he came back. It was, quite honestly, a match made in heaven, and the numbers backed this up too. So, of all the two-man lineups that played with Killian Hayes at least 12 minutes per game, okay, of all the two-man lineups since April 5th that played with Killian Hayes, Killian Hayes and Seku Dumboya had the second-best two-man lineup of any Two-man lineup with Killian Hayes. They had a plus-minus of minus 0.9. Number one was Killian Hayes and Frank Jackson at minus 0.2. Now you have to understand, the Pistons were a losing team anyways. So almost every lineup you're going to find with a, is going to have a negative plus-minus. But the ones towards the top or towards even are their best lineup. Obviously, it's, it's just majority of them are going to be negative because they they sucked. Okay, so that's how it's going to be. But one of the best two-man lines with Killian Hayes, their young franchise point guard, was Seiku Dumboya. And it's a match made in heaven. you got a guy who absolutely loves running the floor, is fast as hell when he's running the floor, beats everyone back, has long strides, is athletic, and can finish around the rim, which we'll get into in the third segment. But And then you combine that with a point guard who is a brilliant passer, loves to lead the break, loves to run fast, and constantly has his eyes up and wants to find his guys running. It's a match made in heaven. You, I believe in like one of the first few games Killian Hayes was back, he threw an alley-oop from half court to Hamidou Diallo. Like anybody who loves to run the, in transition and is a good athlete is going to love playing with Killian Hayes, especially Sekou boy who easily runs the transition more or runs on off defensive rebounds more than anybody else on this team. Him and Killian Hayes are a match made in heaven. That French connection that people call it on Twitter, is absolutely is real. Them two are great together, and it was a big reason why Seiku played better the rest of the season. When we come back, I'm going to dive even further into why Seiku played much better the rest of the season, and then we can end it with why he deserves to be part of the Pistons Young Corps. But before we get into all that, let me tell you about a few of our sponsors. First up, Bell Online AG. Betting is now legal in Michigan, and if you're anything like me, you want to take advantage of that instantly. However, there was one problem I ran into. There are so many different apps to bet through. Which betting app is the best to use? Which one is the best for me? That's why I found bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NFL season might be over, but the NBA, MLB, and NHL are still in full swing. If you want to take your adventures beyond sports, however, BetOnline has you covered there, too. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, things I didn't even know you could bet on. BetOnline has real-time, updated odds and props on just about anything you can imagine. BetOnline is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to BetOnline now to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And then let me tell you about another one of our sponsors, Rock Auto. If you ever need a part for your car, head to the store, go through a ton of confusing questioning just for one of the workers to tell you they don't have the parts you're looking for. I know I have. That's why you should avoid all these problems. And rock with another one of our sponsors, RockAuto.com. Find whatever part you're looking for on your computer or in your hand or on your phone by using RockAuto.com. Don't worry about having to create an account or making a membership. Just head over to rockauto.com and start shopping. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest and most reliable prices. Head over to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their Hot Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com And like I said, we're going to continue talking about Seiko Dumbora's Season we just talked about Keelan Hayes and why he was a massive addition to why Seku much better after the New York Knicks blowout game, which I believe actually correlates exactly with Keelan Hayes return. I believe that was Keelan Hayes' first game back against New York. So it correlates exactly with that. But to add on to that, there's many other things that leads to that led to Seku playing so well. Another one of those things is the fact that he was be, uh, being allowed to play and not having to worry about being yanked after every, uh, after every mistake. And, let me get this tweet up from Rod Beard real quick. So Rod Beard of the Detroit News tweeted, after Sekou's season-high 20 points in one of the games on May 4th, Sekou said, after the game, I know that I'm going to play. Just have to take advantage of that and be ready. I know the coach is going to put me in no matter what happens. I'm just playing free right now. And if any of you guys have played basketball at any type of higher level, whether that be varsity in high school, college basketball, overseas, whatever, uh, whatever it is, I played varsity basketball in high school. Obviously, I'm, I, I didn't go on to play in college. I'm not some NBA hooper or anything like this. But if you play to any kind of level like this, when you don't have confidence in your coach or you feel like your coach is watching every move you do and if you make a mistake, you're going to be yanked out the game, you're just not going to play free and you're not going to play well because you're scared of what will happen if you try something. And I feel like that's how definitely how Sekou played at the beginning of the season. But once his minutes were were given to him and his coach seemed to have more confidence, or not even confidence, but just a reason to give him more leeway since the Pistons went full tank session for the last, what, third of the season. Seiku started to play much more free, and that definitely is a reason why he started to play well. And one of the things I can tell you guys to point to this is that there was one drive, and there was many drives throughout the season, but one drive I want to point out specifically against the Chicago Bulls Sekou had. And it's tough to explain these kind of things. One of the struggles I'm learning to uh, learning about on the podcast is, is trying to explain like a play you're looking at. But Seku took Laurie Markkinen off the dribble to the left. Laurie Markin did a pretty good job of cutting him off there, but then Seku gave him a quick crossover to the right, which gave him some advantage to get towards the paint. And once he got into the paint, it looked like from watching it live that he was going to just go all the way with his right, force a bad shot, because Laurie was doing a pretty good job. It was somewhat in front of him. If he would have just kept going that way or tried to force a shot from there, it would have been a really tough shot. Lori was doing a pretty good job staying in front of him. But Seku stopped on the dime, gave him a little bit of a, like a head fake, pump fake kind of thing, spanned, showed some tremendous footwork, spanned to the left and on the pump fake, Thaddeus Young was coming from the weak side to block his shot. So he got Laurie and Thaddeus up in the air on this pump fake. span around to his left side and finished with the left hand scoop. Now once again, it's hard to really show how amazing this drive was, me just telling you this. But this is a drive that Seku 100% would not have tried in the first 40 games. He just wouldn't have even attempted this type of drive. This is the type of drive you have to ha- have confidence to try to do. Once Laurie would have shut him off on the first drive, like I said, when he drove with his left down the wing, once Laurie shut that down, Seku would have picked up his dribble and handed the ball off. But Seku gave him a quick crossover, then gave him another spin move with some great footwork and finished with his left hand. It's a really good move that you just simply don't see in the first 40 games from Seku, and it highlights that he was playing with some confidence. And look, we can talk about the confidence thing all we want, but I'm sure you guys want to hear about the numbers. Were the numbers improved? What do the numbers say? That Seiku was wildly better after that blowout than he was in the first 40 games. Let me just give you guys these, these percentages real quick, okay? So, in these, the rest of the year after that Knicks blowout, Seiku shot 43% from the floor. So, on the face, that sounds like uh, the What That doesn't sound like anything pretty good. That actually sounds like he still was a little bit of a struggle. Now, you have to understand, he shot 20% on threes. So, it's still understood that Seiku needs to develop from three. He just has to get better from the end. The Pistons are encouraging him to take those shots. He has to take those shots. It's supposed to be a part of his game, but it's not there right now. So that was bringing his percentage down. On all two-pointers, though, he shot 55.6% from two. All two-pointers. That's pretty damn good. Okay, so before April 5th, be- from April 5th on, he shot 55.6% from twos. You want to know what he shot before April 5th from two-point range? 42%. That's a 13% increase from what he was the first 40 games. That's massive improvement. And before I say this next stat, I, I feel like I haven't really... I, I've made a mistake. I haven't really told you guys how I feel. Like There's something I need to say before we can keep going with the stats, basically. That Seiku proves these couple things. One, he's really good at getting to the brim. Two, he's really good at running in transition. He, like, he clearly defined his strength so far. He clearly defined some places he's took, taken massive step forwards in and places that are of strength. That's running in transition... Finishing in transition, getting to the rim. He's been good at drawing fouls, which he drawed 2.1 free throws after the this stretch of games. In the first 40 games, he only averaged 0.8 free throws a game. So running in transition, getting to the rim, finishing in transition, finishing at the rim, and drawing free throws. He's shown that all these places are areas of strength right now for him heading into the offseason. Now, three-point shooting obviously needs to improve on, but... He has a cl- clear defined role. He has a clear defined set of strengths now that we, which you couldn't say at the beginning of the year or midway through the season. Many people would sit here and say to me, "Who? What's Seiku's strength? What is it? Tell me one thing he's good at." Well, at the end of the season, he showed in the final third of the season that he's massively improved at finishing at the rim. He's really good at running in transition and finishing in transition if it's someone's actually going to get to him. He's really good at simply getting to the getting to the paint and drawing fouls too. So this next number I'm going to throw at you guys. Is his finishing around the rim, which is probably be my favorite stat I throw at you guys, and I think this one will be the one that moves you guys the most and like let you guys say, okay, yeah, Sekou was pretty damn good in this final third of the season. He's showing people reasons to believe in him. So within five feet of the rim, Sekou shot sixty one percent on four point five attempts a game during this stretch after that blowout against the Knicks for the rest of the season. Okay, for that final third of the season, he shot sixty one percent on four and a half attempts a game. At around the rim. You want to know how good that is? Let me give you some context. Paul George, he shoots 57% within five feet on 4.7 attempts. You know that guy Julius Randall? He shoots 58% on 4.2 attempts. You want to know someone else? Jeremy Grant, Dumboya's own teammate, shoots 58.8% within five feet on 5.0 attempts. So who's shooting a better percentage Within five feet during this stretch, this final third of the season, then all three of those guys, all three of those guys you think are pretty good finishers around the rim, I'd say, right? You'd say are pretty good in that area. Like you trust Paul George within five feet, Julius Randle, you think he's like a big bully around down there, it's hard to stop down there. Jeremy Grant, we watched him all season, you think he's pretty good down there? Seku shot better, three percentage points better than all of them on four and a half attempts a game during this final stretch. And this, these numbers are completely backed up by the eye test. If you watch Seku during this end of the season, when he got his feet in the paint and when he was able to get to the rim, he was finishing the ball. And it's something that is, this is just another one of those, this will be the last point I'm making then we can end the podcast. There was a game against the Atlanta Hawks and there is a two play sequence in the fourth quarter that highlights Sekou season and the fact that this game is slowing down for him. See, Sekou came over here as an 18-year-old from France who was fairly new to the game of basketball, playing, about to start playing in the highest league in the world, a country barrier, a language barrier, all these things. And he had not even crossed 82 games of real rookie season until April 10th of this year. So the game was moving incredibly fast for him, it was very clear. But this two-play stretch shows you that the game was slowing down for Sekou. He was playing confident, the game was slowing down, and he was learning quickly. You could tell, and this two-play sequence will show you. So in the beginning of the fourth quarter, Seku cuts to the rim. Kaelin Hayes finds him on a cut to the rim. He kind of bobbles the pass, but still, he has the pass at the rim. Instead of going up strong and trying to uh, secure the finish, he goes up weak, barely jumps off the ground, thinking he has an easy bucket, and gets swatted. Completely swatted off the backboard, okay? Bad play by Seiku. You need to go up stronger than that. Three minutes later, almost the exact same play happens. He's running in transition, Hamadou Diallo finds him around the right baseline. Sekou is in the same position. A defender waiting for him at the rim, kind of flying at him at the rim, ready to swat his shot. This time, Sekou takes a dribble, pump fakes, lets the guy go flying past him, and finishes with a dunk with another defender by. That is learning. That is a two-play sequence showing you that the game is slowing down for him, and he is seeing, okay, I messed up last possession. This is what I need to do. I know what I need to do better. I messed up there, but I know what I need to do next. And he showed that over a two-play sequence. That was something. That was basically the tale of his season. The first half of his season, he, sh- he knew. He, the first like 40 games, he wasn't playing well. He wasn't playing confident. The game was moving way too fast for him. He didn't belong out there. It was struggling. He wasn't being put in the best situations. But he obviously didn't belong out there in what he was doing. But then the whole, after that blowout game against the Knicks, it's just like that second play against the Hawks. He's learning. He's picking up things. The game's fin- uh, slowing down for him. He's playing more confident. He's playing way better. He's showcasing why the Pistons drafted him at 15, why the Pistons had him so high on his draft, their draft board when they drafted him. I believe they said they had him in the top, top, what, six on their draft board and when they fell for him and when he fell to them, they were extremely delighted. This is why they drafted him. This way he shows. Again, Seku needs to improve from deep. He needs to improve the consistency. He needs to prove that this wasn't just a, a, a fluke stretch. I don't think it is. I think these are kind of things. These are not just he's shooting good from the field, shooting def- uh, good from three, and that can go away. These are things that, that you want to see him take a step forward in throughout the whole season that we were looking for. And it finally happened. People are mad that it didn't happen throughout the entire season, but let's just be happy it happened. It clicked. It clicked for Sekou. And he made that step forward in his second season. At some point, he did it. And that's that's really good for him. And to finish off the podcast, this is why the Pistons should consider Sekou part of their young core moving forward. Everyone's been talking about the core four or whatever. It should be a core five because Sekou should be a part of this. The Pistons have stuck it out with Seiku through his rough patches. They dealt with all his rough patches. They dealt with the bumpy roads. They took all the rough punches. They dealt with all those things. So to now think about moving on for, from him, once it seems like he's heading for the greener patches, once there's a light at the end of the tunnel now, once it finally seems like the game's slowing down for him and he's coming into his own, it would, it would negate the whole point of going through the, the rough patches. You'd basically be giving a player to another team where they didn't have to wait through the rough patches. They were basically just giving the player once he's going to his own. The Pistons have waited for this to happen with Seiku. They didn't draft him for no reason. It's finally happening. They should hold on to him. He should be considered a part of the core. I'm telling you, Sekou showed enough in this final third to make him a part of the Pistons' young core. He played extremely well. He was one of the best Pistons on the team The final that final third of the season after. That Knicks blowout. And credit to Dwayne Casey. He obviously pressed the right button. Seiku, part of the young core, man. I'm a fan of his. I'm happy for it. Before we end the podcast, today on the road to the finals on NBA playoff coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoyed it. it and at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. So, real quick, before we end the podcast, let me say, let's look at this Clippers game. Damn! The Clippers are up by 18 in the fourth quarter. 103-85. to 85. So it looks like the Clippers are probably going to win this game and tie the series up 2-2. It's kind of crazy. The Clippers just play better when their backs against the wall. I, I don't get why they can't just play like that all the time. They probably wouldn't have went through nearly as many games they've had to go through so far. Kawhi got 27, Paul George 22, Marcus Morris, another former Piston, with 22. So probably looks like they're going to close this game out, going back to Utah 2-2. So... Thank you guys for listening to today's podcast. Definitely let me know in the reviews down below how you guys feel about Sekou, if you guys agree with me or disagree with me. Also, make sure you guys let me know on Twitter if you guys don't want to leave a review down below and you have a Twitter. You guys can let me know on there as well at Cooke Hill MBA. Make sure you guys stay tuned for this article coming from Detroit Bad Boys about this whole topic as well. And until next time, I will see you guys later. I have a special guest on this next podcast. You guys will see then. But you guys are really going to enjoy it. So I'll see you guys then. Have a great day, everybody. Peace out.